Hey friends, welcome back. I hope you're having a great day so far, whatever that may be. I'm really excited about our episode this week. It's with a brand that is doing great things both in the wellness scene and our planet in general. I'm sitting down with co-founder of Seed, Ara Katz, and Dr. Aza Gadir, who is director of R&D. In this episode, we talk a bit about the brand, the ethos behind it, and of course, the current product that they have available. And it's also recently been made available internationally, and that's the Daily Symbiotic. We learned tons about the microbiome, a term that I feel is popping up like everywhere as of recent. So we learn a lot about that, and we get into what's next for seed in the future if you've been following me for a while you know that i feel like i've been advocating for probiotics um, for everyone to be taking because i believe that gut health is one of the most important blocks for our well-being and what i absolutely love about this brand is that there's tons of data and science and testing backing the information that they're putting out in the world so from their social to packaging to their site and i feel like i'm slowly becoming a science nerd thanks to this brand and i'll be honest that's really not something that i'm upset about it's just reassuring me that being curious is a good thing just kind of like a warning there's a lot of information in this episode you may need to listen twice or three times but all of it's super important and um, I'm super excited for you guys to listen Um, so I'm going to stop talking we're going to get into this episode and I hope you guys enjoy hi guys thanks for joining me Um, today I'm sitting with Era and Aza Era what is your role at Seed sure I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Seed perfect and Aza I'm the director of research and development, so I oversee Pipeline. Great. Okay. So guys, welcome to Toronto and thank you for joining me. Um, So today's actually the championship parade for the Raptors. So it's crazy here right now. Yes. we, we, We learned that the next time we throw an event in a city where there's a national championship Uh, We don't just have to check the weather. We also have to check the parade schedule. Yeah. And I mean, this morning I passed my seat exam. You did. I did. So, I mean, what I love about this brand is that there's a lot of information that you're feeding your consumer. um, And also now you have this whole seed platform, a seed university that I do want to kind of get into as well. But first, let's talk about the actual um, product of the first product you guys developed, which is called what? The first product that we released um, in our consumer division (laughs) was called um, the Daily Symbiotic. Um, But actually, just to take a a quick step back, see just so all of your your Mm -hmm. audience and your listeners know. So we look at actually many different applications of bacteria. So we look at and are developing um, applications for both human and environmental health. So we look at uh, for human health, we can get more more into that when we get into the daily symbiotic and some of our other products that are coming down the pipeline. Um, and then in, in environmental health, we also look at areas where bacteria and probiotics can play a really important role. So for example, our first probiotic um, for an ecological issue uh, is a probiotic for honeybees. Um, and so we are actually increasing the field testing. Actually, a lot of that research started here mm-hmm. um, in Toronto um, with one of our 
seed fellows, Brendan Daisley, um, in the lab of Dr. Gregor Reed, who's our I chief scientist. I also just recently learned that like Ontario is a huge like bee biology thing. It I is. had no <laughs> idea because I was like researching bees on my own, and then I was like, yeah, Ontario has like the most research done, and I was like, what? Like this is not common knowledge or like general shared knowledge unless you're actually looking for it. But yes, it <laughs> is. And actually, Brendan, um, Brendan uh, Daisley, who's our seed fellow, who initiated the work under Dr. Gregor Reed, um, who's our chief scientist of our of our um, consumer division, uh, that is actually he. They are here, so you are you are correct, and so not surprising. Although our research recently expanded to UC Davis and into California mm-hmm. uh, with a number of almond farmers, and we'll hopefully continue to expand it around the world because trying to make sure um, and understand how actually different geographies, like the bee populations, may respond uh, to different probiotics. So we're making sure that obviously the intervention works kind of uh, location agnostically. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your first question, the symbiotic. Uh, the symbiotic, um, but also no one ever thought that bees needed a probiotic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the soil uh, probiotics will, will be really important in understanding like the soil mi- microbiome and how we could apply bacteria um, probiotics to soil to be able to um, do things like maybe Think about how a soil is going to sequester more carbon. Mm-hmm. Um, think about how we can make plants more drought resistant if we administer certain mi- uh, microbes. Um, what are some other? And then also bioremediation, so the removal of heavy metals. A lot of labs are looking at identifying bacteria that can naturally remove things like mercury and lead from our water system. So there's a lot with both our ecology and also with animals, yeah. So what I also love what Seed is doing is you're not just a brand and company that is saying that you care about the environment and our future, it's like you're firsthand doing it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I think like you have to kind of start from this premise and I think it's interesting once you understand like bacteria and 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 even to a certain less, you know, lesser extent than bacteria, just, bi- just biology in general. And when you look at the study of life, I mean, it really... The idea that we separate human and environmental health or the, that the planet is like very weird to, to us because, you know, humans are, we are of this larger ecosystem. It's not like it's us and the planet, mm-hmm. although we treat it that way. Um, we have a lot of agency in this planet because of um, a lot of the damage that we are doing. And so insofar as we have the agency to do the damage, we also believe we have the agency um, to fix a lot of these problems and to prevent, obviously, further damage. But for us, like, and, and even we, we certainly make the distinction, of course, because of how we how we commercialize and how we develop products and how you have to test. But for the most part, we really look at this larger ecology as one, um, which is that we are all living, breathing e- ecosystems that are part of larger ecosystems. And it's a really important distinction because I think most people look at human health and they just think about it as like this totally separate silo. Um, and so I think to the extent that we think about it holistically, that certainly drives our value system. Um, and it also drives our value system, not just around like looking at probiotics, let's say for the soil or for honeybees, but it also drives our value system around sustainability, which is of course a very fun buzzword that people use and, and certainly is being overused to a certain extent and in, so, in some cases maybe misused. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, even down to our packaging, we really are committed to um, thinking about the materials that um, and the user experience uh, of our products in a way that will be most sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, should we start with talking about the symbiotic, or do sure. we start about the microbiome? Because there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think if you if you were going to ask us from a brand perspective, I think we love and it, 
we love to align on terms yeah. before we talk about products because, so you know, whether or not someone ever decides to buy a product from us, I think we really hope that like our first product is education. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least you learn something, um, which empowers you to make better choices every day. Right. Um, so I think the best thing is we should just align on terms. So I think Perfect. we should define microbiome. We should yeah. define probiotic and what makes something a probiotic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, let's, Ozzy, you want to define let's the microbiome? Let's do it. Also, yeah. I do want to say, along with environmental and sustainability, I feel like 2019, I've been hearing the term microbiome so much. Yes. And I haven't even been introduced to it till right now. So, yes. I mean, you, take- pro- you probably even more so have heard the term or the, the phrase gut health. Yes. Which is, if you look at Google, Google trends, you can see, like, you can literally trace the line, like, up and to the right. Um, if you look up gut health. So, and another fun fact, which we can get into later, is that... You can't just get your probiotics from food. And we'll, that we'll is get a into huge, that. huge, huge misconception. <laughs> yes. But yeah, take it away. So the term microbiome refers to a, the collection of genes that underlie the microorganisms that live both on and inside us. So that's anything from bacteria, fungi, and viruses, although it's mainly bacterial. Mm-hmm. And how do we kind of... <laughs> Like, there's just so much Let me say, I'll say a couple other things about that. So if you yeah. think about bacteria as, like, the, co- the community of microbes that live, and uh, that live, again, mostly bacteria that live on and in you. So, mm-hmm. like, every external surface, areas of the body that we didn't even think they may have sterile, existed yeah. um, or that we thought were sterile. For example, like, we're starting to think, like, there may be brain, uh, microbes in the brain, mm-hmm. which we always thought the brain was sterile or, or at least absent of pathology mm-hmm. in, like, a healthy brain. Um and so one, like a crazy stats just for your audience to kind of like wrap their heads around is that there's about 38 trillion microbes in and on the body. That's about one to one with your human cells. So if you think about like, you're, we're about to tell your audience that they're half human. So if you thought you were human until now, you're not. You're, not. <laughs> you're actually a super organism, which is actually a multi-species organism. So if you think about yourself like a coral reef or a rainforest, um, and then in addition to that, uh, for everybody who might be trying to lose a few pounds, <laughs> this, this is not the few pounds you want to lose. Yeah. Uh, microbes make up about three to five pounds of your body. Um, so if you think about how much your, your brain weighs or um, you think about how much um, any of your organs weigh, uh, it's obviously an incredibly important um, collection uh, of, of organisms that are involved in all, all kinds of um, areas of your health. And I know we, let, let's get into the term seeding. So mm-hmm. how does that actually come in play? Like, is it from before we're born, while we're born, <laughs> while we're born? Like within, I know um, you had mentioned to me previously, it's within the one year is when our kind of our makeup starts yeah. happening. So um, we're still teasing out the research, but the term seeding to date has kind of referred to the microorganisms that form the base early in life. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there is some data that's coming out now to show that actually micro, um, microbial seeding can start in utero, um, which previously was never kind of known. And now, before we kind of thought seeding began at the moment of birth, mm-hmm. whether that was vaginally or through cesarean, um, those first microbes that start to populate the gut, um, that's what the term seeding referred to. Okay. Yeah, so, the, so and, it's, and it's interesting because seeding is where we got our name, seed. Yeah. Um, Obviously, <laughs> um, and and it's interesting because I was you know I was pregnant when we started Seed, and so there's a lot around that early window of development that really informed why we started Seed. But it's interesting because while the mother load, so to speak, comes through a vaginal delivery, um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of uh, sensationalism around like C-section versus vaginal birth, um, and of course there's a lot of 
other factors that are implied in how those early seeds get fertilized mm -hmm. um, and how your microbiome can develop healthily even without us even if you are born c-section and that's the the two major uh, factors are whether or not um, a child is breastfed um, and whether or not a child is administered antibiotics in the first couple years of life um, and then by the age of about three although I've heard different uh, ages for this I don't know if you if, it, if you use the, the, the year three years but is when you get to what they call what in science they call a steady state microbiome um, which is kind of the the, the most, I guess, the, the optimal state of your microbiome where it kind of stable stabilizes um, and really kind of is the footprint um, yep. for what it will be or the fingerprint, so to speak, for what it will be for, for the rest of your life and, and, and serves as kind of your baseline. And why is it so, and why is our microbiome so important to us? So our microbiomes are important because we now know that the bacteria that you have both on and in you, mainly that are in you and in your gut, um, crosstalk with your immune system. So we know that they prime the immune system early in life and can actually determine whether you go on to develop asthma and allergies. Um, to date, most of that data has been correlative. So there's been a correlation with changes in microbes and the development of um, early childhood diseases like asthma and, and allergy. But now we know that a lot of the underlying mechanism is caused by our bacteria speaking with our immune cells and vice versa. Um, and so these bacteria don't just sit passively on us. They're mm -hmm. actually very actively involved um, in our healthy state. And, and I would also say like, you know, there's probably no organ system of the body um, that, they're, that they don't currently play a role in. So for example, um, digestion. So the absorption of nutrients, the ability to break down food, the ability to, to take food and, and biotransform it into other metabolites that are incredibly important for the body. Um, the ability to maintain the integrity of our gut wall, for example, yeah. um, which of course I'm sure you've heard of like leaky gut and mm -hmm. how important like that, the integrity of that barrier might be or is um, on your skin to determine and help me like mediate the environment. So like when, a, when microbes come yeah. into contact with us, I mean, if you can think about it, they are almost like the, um, the signalers of like, is this friend or is this foe? And of course, when that goes awry, you have things like food allergy or you have autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I guess some, some uh, research is starting to point to, of course, type 2 diabetes and, yeah. and obesity. Um, but it really, like, they are finding, and of course, the gut-brain axis you may have heard about. So understanding, like, its role um, in everything from, like, why we crave certain foods mm -hmm. all the way to specific just uh, or psychological disorders. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, and, that's, and, it's, and one thing that's really important that we, I'm always trying to figure out how to best articulate, and it's really important for your for your audience, is to distinguish that there's the microbiome, and there's the role the bacteria already play in our bodies, and in, in various organ systems, and in, on our skin, and in mm -hmm. all these ecosystems, and especially for women, like um, your, in, in 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 the vaginal microbiome is incredibly important around everything from like fertility and reproductive health, and then of course whether or not you develop like uh, things like BV or or uh, UTIs, for example, um, and so. That's different than like a probiotic, which I think some people think about the microbiome as like, oh, I'm just missing some bacteria and I'll take a probiotic and I'll put it back. Mm -hmm. And so I'll like restore like it. All the good bacteria. Yeah, I'll just exactly. shove it into yeah. my gut and, and it'll so, be fine. And it's interesting because it's not actually how probiotics work. <laughs> um, so, well, which by the way, we wish they worked that way because yeah. then we could just run a bunch of ads that say, restore your microbiome, you know, but unfortunately that's not kind of what the science says and it's not how probiotics work. So let's get to the next term, probiotics. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about why it's important to understand the yeah. distinction. 
So probiotics are microorganisms that have been shown to live microorganisms that have been shown to confer a health benefit. Okay. And that was defined by the WHO. It's a very strict definition. <laughs> um, it's a very strict definition, even though um, it, it is regulated, but not enforced all the time. And a lot mm -hmm. of people will call things probiotics that aren't. So things that might. So, for example, I think the, the one example we always use is that there are probiotic tortilla chips and I probiotic bed sheets. A, I took a photo of that and posted it on my Instagram last week because I was like, I labeled, this is not a probiotic. Yeah. Like, yes. it was a tortilla chip. Yeah. And I... It kind of, like, I feel like in New York now, not in Toronto, but in New York, they put CBD in everything. They're yes. just, like, shoving CBD yes. in, like, meatballs and, like, ev like I'm literally yes. everything. Yeah. We're just waiting and, for probiotic CBD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of feel like it's kind of happening to probiotics, and mm -hmm. I never thought that it would ever take that direction. Yeah, and in fact, I think probiotics even preceded the CBD craze um, in terms of like what they've been added. So, so I think there's a few ways of, th of thinking about the way probiotics have been sensationalized. So what, um, what Asa said was that, you know, it's, there's a scientific definition. Actually, the, the definition was um, defined in 2001 by the WHO and UN, and our, our chief scientist actually chaired that panel. He's actually probably the most um, published scientist in the field of probiotics. Um, it is a field of scientific inquiry. Uh, it is not just what's in your shampoo bottle <laughs> uh, that someone sold you. Um, and um, and so, so one of the things that comes with that is, of course, like the stewardship of the term. And so in, in places like the EU, there's much more string, stringent regulation around the term. Unfortunately, in the US, um, and in Canada and other and a lot of other areas of the of the world, there's very there's virtually no regulation around the term. The products are regulated to a certain extent, the way like any nutraceutical is. If it's for consumer innovation, we we work in both live biotherapeutics, which are considered drugs, mm -hmm. as well as consumer innovation. So of course, on the drug side, it's very well regulated. Mm -hmm. But in consumer, which is where I think people mostly come into contact today um, with with probiotics, it it is there's a there's the first, there's like fermented foods and kimchi and kombucha, which are all kind of conflated together uh, as to ha as having a probiotic effect or or, or containing probiotics. And um, at least according to the scientific definition, they're they are today not mm -hmm. scientifically probiotics. Doesn't mean they're not delicious. Doesn't mean there aren't other nutrition nutritional benefits, but they're not technically probiotics. Mm -hmm. And then on the on the other side, there's just a tons of products that are not fermented at all don't involve fermentation that just basically add bacteria so that they can market them as having a probiotic. Um, and of course that when you start to understand bacteria, you start to understand that they, that they, that they, that they, that they can't survive that way, that um, you can't just throw some on chips and then put probiotic on the, on the label and consider it a probiotic. And your gut is healed guys. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's really right. all you need. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a chocolate bar all of a sudden, quote unquote, functional if you just add bacteria. Um, I think, I, as I said, there are many, I wish it worked that way, mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately it doesn't. Yeah. But I also think that um, it's important to kind of like, I think everything kind of needs a science backing and I feel like where wellness is right now, it's a lot of just like information and no one really has like the hard facts. So I think a lot of people out there, which even myself, that's why you guys fully educated me. Like I was like, I'll have some kimchi, I'll have some sauerkraut, yeah. I'll have some kombucha and that's me naturally giving myself a probiotic. But listeners, now you know, like you need a little bit more than that, a lot more than that. Yeah, actually. and I think, I think what, we're trying, what we're trying to say is... 
you know, it's it's just we want to bring some specificity. I mean, if you're going to ingest thousands of strains, at least in kimchi, for example, we've seen up to 900 strains of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, like if you go and buy a commercial probiotic, um, regardless of whether, you know, again, whether or not you buy ours, we're just looking for specificity. Yeah. So like if you're going to ingest bacteria, you should know what it is and what it's been studied for. Um, it, you know, it's not an inconsequential thing to put bacteria in your in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we take really seriously. And there's a really s- serious field of inquiry behind behind this. There's a lot of incredible research being done. Um, and there's thousands of strains of bacteria and each one, each many of them are being specific strains are being studied for very specific indications and outcomes. Um, and so all, all I think we're trying to do is create kind of mm-hmm. a new standard mm-hmm. uh, globally in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area that, by the way, in the next years of our lives is going to inform so many ways that we're going to take care of ourselves both in the treatment and prevention of pathology and other conditions, as well as just in the sustaining and prevention um, and just general kind of good health. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, we, we really see, you know, everything from like oral health, our mouths, the way we think about our vaginal health um, in terms of like having children and just basic, like the way we think about sex, the way we think about, um, you know, uh, our skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of these areas that we've kind of, understood, but mostly through, honestly, mostly through marketing and through companies just saying, oh, this is the toothpaste you should use. This is the, what you should be putting on your skin. As microbiome research advances and as we start to understand, like when you administer a microbe or a probiotic to some of these ecosystems, they're going to have, there's going to be incredible breakthroughs. And and most importantly, that many of those breakthroughs are going to replace some of these frontline treatments or therapies that have a lot of downstream systemic effects, like like antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about right now, like an UTIs are a great example. You know, women get into these cycles of just taking Cipro over and over again because there really is no frontline defense in in outside of outside of that. In the in the U.S., the FDA actually discourages the use of those what they're called fluoroquinols, which is like the the type of and the category of antibiotics that like Cipro falls into, because there's all kinds of other bad effects. But imagine in the next few years if there's actually a probiotic um, that act that could that could prevent the recurrence uh, of your UTI or could be taken in in um, combination with that one time of Cipro and then you never get it again. Yeah. Um, and so I think we, that, that's why it's so important that we think about the term and we protect the term mm-hmm. um, because how will we take these medicines like really seriously um, and some of these other areas where they're going to have major impacts, particularly for like as we raise our children, for mm-hmm. example, um, if, if it's a tortilla chip. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to take a quick little break and share that for those of you listening who are interested in trying out the Daily Symbiotic, I do have a special 15% off promo code for you. So head over to seed.com and enter lemon water at checkout to redeem yours. And of course, if you have any questions at all about the product, the team over at Seed is literally ready to answer anything and everything. They are so knowledgeable and informative and helpful. Of course, feel free to hit me up via email or DM because... I did take the test and I am certified, so I know what I'm talking about. Again, that's lemon water at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Now back to the episode. So this education that you guys have about like this specific product, I know it's your first product that you have out. Mm -hmm. There is so much information that you're feeding the audience positively, like in a very great marketable way. But is that going to, are we going to see that for every product that you're going to come out with? That seed's going to come out with? Yeah, I mean, I'd say 
and and it's interesting, uh, and I'd be curious to see what Asa yeah. says about after I say this. But I, I would say that we we care as much about our rigor of our science as we do about the way we communicate science. And I don't yeah. think that will ever change. And in fact, I think we go to great lengths to protect that. Um, e- even I would say at the sacrifice of short-term revenue. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 kind of the ethos behind your brand, right? right? And like why you guys do what you do, and why people are going to listen and like appreciate what you have mm-hmm. to say. Kind of um, okay. One thing. Amazing. One thing that I actually find. Um, it's kind of testament to what both Ara and, and Raja, the, the other co-founder, yeah. have built, is that um, I came on board and I'm an immunologist. I'm not a microbiologist. And, and the, the field of microbiome has kind of been um, dominated by microbiologists for a very long time. And of course, like they know everything about bacteria. Um, but immunologists and functional biologists have only been given a seat at the table recently, which is why mm-hmm. we're starting to understand more how the bacteria impacts human health and disease. Um, and so I think it's pretty cool that they employed me as an immunologist because, you know, because it's about function and mechanism and understanding these bacteria. And we have like phenomenal microbiologists that we work with and I get to sit with them and and, and we work together. Um, and so I think it's great because we, we do have mechanism and function at the forefront of our minds. It's not enough just to identify bacteria and what they're called. We also want to know what they do. Yeah. Um, and so we try to do as many functional experiments as we can um, across indications. So whether we're working on UTIs or whether we're looking at um, heart disease, we always try and find like a, a functional model that we can work with and, and prove that these bacteria are interacting with the immune system or with our bodies. That's great. And, and for all of you more Eastern oriented people in the audience, what that means is we care about the root cause. Yeah. <laughs> Translation. And, and, and for, for everyone on the Eastern side that, you know, I, I, I always find that so interesting because the microbiome sits at this like weird intersection between East and West mm-hmm. because people who, who prescribe, prescribe to more Eastern methodologies or alternative medicine will be like, oh yeah, well, thanks for telling us science. We've known the gut is super important for yeah. thousands of years. And the science people tell the Eastern people, well, you didn't know what was in there and you had no idea what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. And but we're at least, to help you. <laughs> but at least we all agree. Yeah. Of, of the importance of yes. the gut, of the gut, which I think is actually to your point about why you hear about it all the time. One of my hypotheses about why, you know, outside of the fact that the research has just exploded in the, in the more scientific um, community, I think that there's a number of reasons why gut mania has kind of taken hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think one of the most positive ones, um, if, if it's true, is that it is an area where East and West actually really agree. Um, and there's a in the Venn diagram of East and West, I think there's a very large overlap um, around the gut and the microbiome and understanding that these living organisms um, play a tremendous role in our bodies. And I think, you know, the, the, the of course, more, the more Eastern methodologies focused a lot on diet and focused a lot. You can go down, you can look at Eastern Chinese medicine, you can look at Ayurvedic medicine mm-hmm. or Ayur, Ayurvedic um, practices. And they have the doshas, which obviously like articulates like, uh, your, your digestion, and they really mm-hmm. understood that digestion had like was really at the core of it all. Um, and I think there's something that's uh, really interesting about mm-hmm. that 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 overlap. And I think it gives uh, it gives a common ground for, for for two areas that typically kind of otherize each other mm-hmm. and kind of demonize each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas like the Eastern is always like, oh, Western medicine and pharma and all that. You know, they don't know anything. Well, and then, I like love know. Eastern medicine, yeah. right? So yeah. like I 
typically yeah. run to my like holistic yeah. like doctor sure. before I run yeah. to my yeah. Western doctor. Um, and one thing that I really, really like is that the microbiome gives a readout to the anecdote. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work on lupus and autoimmune disease. And anyone who has an autoimmune disease will tell you that it's it can be highly anecdotal. Um, some days you're fine and other days you aren't and no two patients can look the same. Um, and one thing I really like about the gut microbiome is actually it provides a direct readout of environment. Um, and it allows clinicians even, and in future, I hope that we'll get to a place where clinicians will be able to um, not just say that's an anecdote because they don't know how to read it, but they'll <laughs> be like, okay, let's have a look at your microbiome and see what's going on with your diet and what you've been exposed to and, and see how we can design better treatments for you. How do you think people are going to be able to like test their microbiome and like see? <laughs> so... I mean, we have really strong. I, I, yeah. We have really strong opinions about diagnostics today. Right. Um, I think we. I think we feel like it's really early. Uh, I think we also believe that it may not be composition, which means like what is in there, but more about what they're doing. To Oz's point earlier, like about yeah. function. So I think that when we start to really understand the functionality and the correlation between the functionality or the, the, the relationship between the, the functionality um, and various pathology conditions um, and or, or or just preventive outcomes, mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll be able to tell a lot more. Yeah. I, I don't think that we may we may get to. I mean, we when the as these large data sets get built, yeah. um, I think we'll start to understand much more. But it's just very early. Yeah. No and as we start to understand more what the, how these bacteria are functioning, so what they're producing, what chemicals they're producing as they're performing different functions, mm -hmm. um, I think that will allow us to understand more how they're then impacting our bodies and our immune systems. Yeah, because the other, the other important point just for your audience to know is that everybody's microbiome is different, like your genome. Mm -hmm. So it's there's probably not going to be a day where we're like, oh, well, your microbiome needs to have exactly this many of this bacteria, as many, exactly as much of this. Mm -hmm. and, and it'll be the markers today that that are the, the biomarkers for like a healthy microbiome are really just di what are what they call diversity and alpha richness which is like how what is the diversity like how many different strains um and then what is the density of those strains uh and so those are kind of like if you again going back to the rainforest analogy obviously a sparse rainforest that's been deforested probably doesn't look as healthy as a really plush green yeah. dense diverse rainforest yeah. so i mean welcome to canada Yes. And London as well. So what can, what is this? It's the first product is going to be, it's a symbiotic. So yes. how, let, let's talk about that. How long, like, how did you get the idea? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I, I wish that our product, I wish science worked like, we just have an idea. Let's yeah. make a product. Um, well, do you come from a science background? No, no, I don't come from a science background. I've always been like, I've always been a nerd about this stuff, but. You're, am, you're turning me into a nerd, and I like that. I appreciate I, I mean, that is. I think Seed is turning do, me into yes, a nerd. If we do one thing and accomplish one thing, it is to spread nerdiness around the world, um, which will hopefully be some sort of an, at least partial antidote to misinformation and hashtag fake science. <laughs> so the Daily Symbiotic actually came about because we really wanted to answer the question of why would an otherwise like healthy individual actually take a probiotic? Um, and, I, and I say take versus need, which I think is really important distinction. I think a lot of companies are very happy to say the word need. 
Um, I think we take that very seriously. I, my if Rajo is here, our, my co-founder, he would say, no, you need glucose and water to live. He's like, and he'll, he'll always tell you, he's like, if you're on a desert island, trust me, you'll drink the Coca-Cola. Um, but, you know, I think, and he's just speaking from a cellular perspective. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that diet to anybody in the audience. But where, where it came from was, you know, how could we answer this question of why would an otherwise healthy person take, uh, take a probiotic? How could we uh, assemble formulations that would use some of the most breakthrough strains that were coming out of both uh, partnerships, for example, with Harvard's Department of Genetics that we work with. Um, and again, to Oz's point earlier, looking at strains where uh, there's been some mechanism established where they have human clinical research behind them that has been peer reviewed and published in double randomized control uh, uh, studied studies. And also combine that with prebiotics that are actually a new uh, class of prebiotics, um, which are not just the kind of prebiotics that many people have heard of, which are more like the inulins and the gosses and the fosses and the zosses, which are all oligosaccharides. Mm -hmm. Those are more, think about them as fertilizer. Think about them as just like food for your good bacteria. The, the prebiotics that we use, and the predominant one being a compound called punicalgin, which is actually standardized from the skin of Indian pomegranate, is a substance that your bacteria actually use to biotrans and biotransform it into uh, a metabolite called urolithin A. Um, and so, what we what we were think what we were looking at was, hey, what are what is the formulation that we could say is really truthfully one of the most sophisticated in the world, um, the most clinically studied uh, strains included in the formulations. And really be able to start to tell the story, um, not to, A, just of course, not to first and foremost, I hope this didn't get lost, was how could we actually impact the health of a, of a, of a, of a fairly healthy individual? Mm-hmm. Um, and that had to do with everything from, you know, in, in the improvement of digestive health, uh, all the way to just maintaining the integrity of the gut barrier, which is really, really important for, for, for anyone. And of course, there's many, many many things that we are exposed to and, and or lifestyle choices that we make that um, consistently make that vulnerable. A great example is like high intensity exercise. So even high intensity exercise creates permeability in the gut. So, which many healthy individuals do. Uh, and so one of the- <laughs> Myself, and, uh, three times yes, a week. Yeah, of course. And, and so in addition to, in addition, um, of course, to, to really wanting to answer that question that we mm-hmm. started with, it was also a way to start to steward the conversation of areas of our bodies um, and, and, of our, and of our health where, we, where people maybe didn't know that probiotics could make an impact. For example, in our female formulation, there's uh, two blends that are not in the male formulation. Um, one is uh, the first strains to produce folate in the body, which I know for, of course, for women who are thinking about re- reproductive health, um, folate is incredibly important. It's important for men too, but it, mm-hmm. it is of course, especially important for, for women, um, both prenatally and pre, prenatally. Um, and then, uh, and then also a dermatological blend um, that uh, reduces the, the um, inflammatory response that causes like psoriasis and atopic dermatitis. And what I thought was really great actually was, so the Daily Symbiotic was designed with um, Gregor Reed, our chief scientist of the consumer division, um, who had defined the term um, with the WHO, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and um, and I, I think what's great is that when you look at the individual strains that were selected, they were all selected for function, and there's a lot of experiments that underlie them. We have them all up on the website. Um, and so extensive lab studies were done and also like clinical studies. I mean, we have one strain um, that was shown in a clinical trial to reduce um, bad LDLs in um, people that have moderate um, elevated LDL. Um, so that's bad cholesterol. 
Okay. It, it was shown to reduce the level a little bit of taken daily in a clinical trial of over 600 people. Um, and that data was proprietary from Europe. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's I think, and, and that's interesting because that introduced the idea, for example, many people wouldn't think that like, oh, what, what could a microbe or what could a probiotic do around, for example, something like cholesterol or cardiovascular health? Um, and that I had no idea. Yeah, and that introduced <laughs> that introduces the idea of the gut liver access, where oh, so the gut and the liver have there's there's a connection there, and you know a microbe could be impactful in the reuptake um, or inhibiting the reuptake of cholesterol, for example, into the bloodstream. So th- 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 that was another thing that we kind of set out to do, which was how are we how can we communicate that actually the potential of microbes and the potential of probiotics in, in this first product. Um, and we're really excited. I think people people respond so well to the product, and um, we hear about extraordinary experiences every day. Um, and of course, we also hear about people who, you know, depending on conditions, who, who um, uh, you know, who 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 at least report uh, to us that you know they've they've never kind of experienced this, particularly particularly people who were already healthy, which I find which I think is really interesting, um, and and mostly probably most viscerally around digestion because. You know, something like your gut barrier being more integrous is not something you necessarily feel, <laughs> um, and that of course brings up the whole other can of worms, which is uh, which is how do you know if something is quote unquote working? It's like uh, vitamin C is, on your face, yeah, right? Yeah. It's preventative, yes. but like we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, one thing we will I, know, though, we will know, and I think that's what that know. that's one thing that's really interesting about like where this whole field is going, um, and one of the things that we're working on in our dermatological track which will be that there will be new diagnostics that emerge, both related to microbiome and, and other mm-hmm. uh, areas. Like for us, for example, like we're, we're looking at um, DNA methylation of like skin tissue. Mm-hmm. So there will be areas where we really actually, the answer is we, we will know mm-hmm. um, and we'll be able to know actually in fairly short amounts of time. Um, and particularly as these data sets get so large, uh, we'll start to really be able yeah. to tease out to Oz's point function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even the daily symbiotic, which we're already selling, um, we're still continuing to research it and try to understand it. We haven't stopped. <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Usually, yeah. you know, you'll put out a product and you're like, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. On to the next. We have academic partnerships that are still helping us probe how it's working. And, yeah. and the more anecdotes we hear from the customer saying, and consistent anecdotes, like, I feel like I have less diarrhea or less constipation. We actually want to understand how it, how this product is able to do both, depending on the person, you know. Mm-hmm. And something that I really do admire, you guys mentioned that um, if a customer is emailing in and they want scientific data, you got a scientist yeah. behind the yeah. screen. Oh, don't remind, don't remind us. <laughs> I think I think we calculated that every customer service answer must cost us yeah. like somewhere between a thousand and two thousand. Yeah. These are multiple people. We are putting, <laughs> if any of our investors are listening, we are putting more scalable processes in place. Um, but yes, we are all heavily involved yeah, yeah. in in CS uh, customer yeah. service answers and questions, both on our Facebook ads, mm-hmm. um, in the one to one when questions come in, um, and it's it's a heavy lift, but it's something that you know you can't say education um, and science is your is your value system and then not do it. And also, this is your health, this is your life, and there are so many wellness startups right now that are putting stuff out in that, like, 
beautiful packaging and like it's so cutesy and like mm-hmm. it'll tell you what's in it and then when you go ahead and, and ask a question you're getting like a copy and paste from uh, yeah it's, it's actually funny our only CS employee and she's actually not even the one that does the scientific <laughs> answer she has a master's in nutrition mm-hmm. um, but she's actually not even the one that's doing so actually we uh, this one of our advisors um, Bill Miller who's an evolutionary biologist he's probably like Seriously, one of the most knowledgeable uh, that I've, I mean, and, and, a, and actually mm-hmm. in, important to mention that he's, he was a longtime physician um, and he's extraordinary and he does a lot of the in-depth analysis that, that we um, create our answers, uh, that, we, that we use to create our answers and, and responses. And then depending on what the answer or response is, so if, I'll give you an example. We had, a, we had a, someone that would have looked, I guess, to the external world like a troll um, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, and we and this comes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And actually, we really we we try and respond um, as empathically and kindly, and trying to really understand where they're coming from, because people are, of course, really happy to just say really terrible things on the internet. And it was interesting. I responded to this troll personally from my personal account. This was on Instagram ad, although he had been trolling us also on Facebook ads. Or sorry, it was an Instagram post, but he had been trolling us also on our it's our Facebook mm-hmm. ads. Every outlet. Yeah. <laughs> and he deleted his response and I got immediately a beautiful note from him on my personal Instagram that said, I'm so sorry. I am so sick. Um, I have had an illness. Nobody can help me. Mm-hmm. I have a GI disorder. I've never been this sick in my life before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really terribly... Um, uh, helpless, and I shouldn't have done that. And I should have considered the humans behind this company when I wrote what I wrote. He he wrote something about a post we had done for for Pride um, that was quite. I saw that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yes, and it was just a beautiful reminder. And then yeah. we turned that turned into a larger exchange. And at the end, he just was like, "Thank you for being so kind to a stranger." Um, and I think so. While maybe at scale, and when we get a lot bigger, it will always it will be harder to do all of that one to one. I think it was symbolic of I think the the way we think, which is um, you have to operate around human health with empathy, um, because you truly. I mean, this is true for anything, but particularly in what we do, and like what as I was saying, like with autoimmune disease mm-hmm. and how much anecdote is such a big. The, the people struggle with their bodies. Um, so, for, uh, like for example, like we we heard a story this morning. Um, we were just just from uh, the partner that we have here in Canada, and like it's it's incredible what happens. Like after our event this morning, people just come up to you and start opening up about what what's going mm-hmm. on with their bodies, and it you, you realize that there aren't great outlets in our society mm-hmm. for that. Um, and we're working on a number of products and a number of community initiatives and digital products and forums um, where hopefully we can be, I, I, certainly we can't solve everything, but I, I think sometimes you find that people just need a space to talk about it mm-hmm. and maybe get a little bit of information. We we actually, someone, um, we answered a customer service email about something related to an autoimmune condition a couple weeks ago. Not that we offered any answers, but we offered some research on, and Bill Miller had put together like a really beautiful response. And the person wrote back to Kelsey, who's our on our CS team, just said, in 10 years of seeing doctors, no one explained it to me. This simply thank you so mm-hmm. much. And I think that that's why the communication of this stuff is almost sometimes as important as the research and development we do. 100%. Um, and, it's, and, and, and I just wish, I, I hope that other, that we can at least help or steward or um, create a more mindful way that companies that are selling things um, might think about the responsibility and accountability that comes with selling people something that goes in their bodies. And also for brands, um, something that I really do admire about you guys is 
your quote unquote influencers or partners, um, you really are taking it in your hands to educate everyone to make sure that they know what they're saying and how they're saying it before they're putting it out in the world. Because I mean, for myself, like when I get people messaging me, like what supplements do you take? I straight up say, I'm not sharing that with you because you're going to take what I say and you're going to take it. And I'm not registered in any area. This is like a passion of mine. Like I Mm -hmm. love studying wellness, but I don't have a certificate. I don't have a degree that tells me that I'm certified to talk to you and to tell you like what minerals you need, what supplements Mm -hmm. you need, what diet works for you. And I think that there are so many, there's, it's scary because there are people with huge platforms that are feeding mis, not even misinformation, like something that might work for you might not work for somebody Mm -hmm. else. And it's really important to understand that. And it's like, as I mentioned earlier, like it's your health and it's nothing to be like joked around with. So, um, this morning we had someone ask how, even with supplements in general, mm-hmm. what types of questions should I be asking to pick a good one? Um, and I thought it was a very good question. And I think that one thing that we're trying to do, and I think I hope that we are always held accountable for this as well, is I think that if you want to select a good product, I think you should email the, pro- the, the companies. I think email and ask for the science, ask for the data. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, start oh, yes, a conversation. Like yeah, yeah, start a conversation <laughs> and just see how they formulate it. Like even your question to Era, like how did you formulate this product? Ask. Um, and I think that as you get responses, you'll start to believe more that they might have a, or you can make your, you'll have an educated, you can make an educated um, decision. Decision, definitely. And, um, you know, and I think like, we, it's interesting because um, the way I answered the question is exactly how Raja uh, answers that question too. And I think that they are 100% correct. What I hear, which is the follow-up to that, is I wouldn't know what to do with the information, mm-hmm. right? Like we were talking about this the other yes. day, which is you can do that, and I think you can start to, your spidey senses can start to get honed. So at least you get a sense that they kind of know what they're talking about or they don't. Also, just how a company responds to these things in general, I think is a great indicator of like how aligned they are internally and, and how far down the line they've committed to training and education. So I think in some ways that is like a good, it's a good signal, but it is very challenging. Um, and I think we, we, you know, and, and, and I think to, to the, to the extent, um, and, and the burden has fallen on the, the humans. <laughs> um, and it is, a, and it is a really big challenge. And I think that is, that, that is partially why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that for the person who may not know what to do, like if I sent them a clinic, like you can send someone a clinical study. Most people can't read. It took me a year and a half to learn how to <laughs> learn how to really properly read a scientific study. And so a lot of it, and, and also I think to, to kind of not, to, to add to that, I think one of the other things is like, assuming you get to a place of comfort that you want to take something, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we get really attached to the outcome of these things instead of kind of maintaining the spirit of experimentation. And I like think if you, I take this, I know that yes, this is going and, to happen. And, and not just I know, I'm going to tell my million followers that yeah. this is the only way to eat or this is the only product or this is the only brand. And actually we're very, I'm very, I'm a bad salesperson if you can't tell because I you know, you, you have to try something. You have to, in science, like you wouldn't know anything mm-hmm. unless you ran an experiment. And I think that the notion of experimentation is really, and like the idea that you could do it and just observe and learn and actually take the stress out of it. And of course, I, I say that as I say that, of course, I'm very aware that with someone who has a condition or pathology, you just want to hope something into working. Um, but I do wish that we had a little bit more of like 
we approach life a little more scientifically, mm -hmm. which would be how could we ask a series of questions? How could we structure our own experiments? How could we observe and then it, and then iterate and learn from them? And I think in some ways that's the way I kind of approach things, everything from food uh, to the time of day I eat to whether or not I take something to mm -hmm. whether or not something feels like I should take. If you get really sick, should I wait the extra three days uh, or take the antibiotic? Do I need 800 milligrams of ibuprofen because I think I'm going to get my cramps, you know, for, for my period, you know, for, for PMS. Please don't so, have anyone do that. You know, so, well, a lot of, I mean, yeah. a lot of, a lot, a lot of people don't think that yeah. there's maybe a whole other ecosystem to consider, um, which I think is, is one of the reasons we, we love the microbiome because it almost kind of gives you, you know, in minority report, you know, you, the goggles, you kind of have a whole layer to this world that you didn't see, you wouldn't have seen before. And I think we always feel like the microbiome is kind of like a new lens through which you can make some of these decisions and determine whether or not something feels like it's a good experiment or not a good experiment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I always say like, be your own FDA, <laughs> I guess, which is like run your own trials. Yeah. Wellness is a journey. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, and, 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 and in some ways it's, it's one with no dust. I mean, in some ways it's not really one with any destination because the idea that you're going to control the stressors that are going to come into your life, whether it's, you know, everything from the toxins you're, in, you know, in, um, exposed to in the environment, whether mm -hmm. or not it's a, a, a pathogen that you, on your trip to a, a different country, um, or of course, you know, some genetic marker that you have for, mm -hmm. you know, predisposing you to cancer. It's, it, you know, one of the things we, we say, and going back to the rainforest and going back to nature, which is a beautiful metaphor for our health, is that, you know, actually opposite to wellness being a journey, which kind of implies there's a destination, is that we think that the definition of health should instead be about resilience, which is it's not the idea that you're never going to get knocked around and that there aren't going to be stressors and ups and downs, but the idea is how quickly um, and how, how, how um, healthfully can you return to baseline, to, to, to that, that homeostatic or that allostatic mm -hmm. place. Um, can this idea of resilience is beautiful. And of course, in mental health, it's incredibly important. And I think we're finding that actually getting so in, in attached to happiness has not done anyone any uh, favors, but actually getting attached to resilience is much more, much more meaningful um, and, and delivers a much healthier approach to kind of thinking about um, your health. Because of course, happiness and the journey, the idea that there's a destination or two are the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's going to be an ultimate state that I'm going to achieve and then I'll be done. And unfortunately, that's not how life and that's not how biology works. Nothing like that. Nothing in life works no, that way. No. Nothing. Um, so we think about it a lot more in terms of resilience and your microbes are obviously a big part of maintaining that resilience. You have no idea how excited I am to try this product. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait. Okay. So we actually have run out of time, but I want to thank you both so much for sitting down with me today. Um, and to those listening, I actually will be posting about this and because... I'm now about about a, about. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. Isn't that weird? I just I wouldn't notice. I grew up here, um, but because I passed the university, you did. Thank you did. You are, you are so part of our pilot. Class. I feel confident enough to share it with you guys, and that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for coming, Thank and we'll see you next time.